Hello and welcome to Big Fish Little Pond. My name is Glenn Manton and on the other side of the microphone, aged journalist Anthony Colangelo. Hey Glenn, how you going? Ooh, <laughs> that's almost upbeat for you. Almost. Am I rustling my jacket too much? Should I take you my jacket off? You do have a rustle in your jacket. I think you need to take that jacket off early. The problem is or, I'm cold. Or strap yourself in for what is going to be one of the most hardcore podcasts of all time because we're back. The footy show is gone. They're out. But we are back. Yeah, I woke you up the other morning when I rang you on Friday, didn't I? Well, you rang at a ridiculous time. So I rang Glenn at... It was 9.45 on Friday morning. You would think most people would be awake by then. Now, I know that you have children. You're probably ferrying them around at 5 in the morning and you've gone <laughs> back to sleep for a bit of beauty sleep. But 9.45 on a Friday probably should be up by then. 9.45 is prime time sleeping on a Friday morning. That's a recuperative, regenerative phase that one is in much the same as our producer extraordinaire, Nathan Smart, back from Coachella. He now, is. he's been drug tested five times ahead of this particular podcast, and he is clean. Yeah, he is 100% above board. I'm not going to get involved with any drug jokes. I, think, I, don't, I don't, you don't want to do drug jokes? I, I don't know why you need to go to that level. Well, he's just been in Coachella. Drugs. There's a lot of merriment, festivity. I mean, we could have breathalyzed him. But let me tell you, even on that level, minty fresh. Oh, well, he drove here, so he'd be fine. He's 100% fine. And why wouldn't he be? He's seen uh, Childish Gambino. Yep. Ariana Grande, who he almost reached out and touched. Because you know who interrupted him? The Beebs. The Beebs. The Beebs was right there in his midst. And his wife as well. What's his wife's name? Hayley. Hayley. Beaver. Hayley Beaver. (laughs) What what, what, what did her name used to be? I remember what it was. Right, okay. But you'll notice his voice is still hushed because mm. he's just still recovering yeah. from all the merriment, all the festivities. He saw just a, a, a plethora of great acts there. He even went and saw your mate's Tame Impala. Uh, he did, didn't you, Nath? Yeah. What do you think? He so said good. good. He's yeah, so his voice is his voice spoken, is gone, which is which is a positive because we'll let him just run the show for us because we have so much to get into. This is of course Big Fish Little Pond, and you are wading through what will be muddied waters with us on this podcast because there is so much to talk about. And before we get into anything AFL, I want to read a very special set of numbers to you. You ready for this? Are you sure you want to read this out on air? Absolutely. Okay. 0396523161. Let me ask you to have a stab in the dark. Whose number do you think that is? Is that Walk Right In, Williamstown? That is not Walk Right In. One of the better names for any Asian restaurant in Melbourne. Is it uh, that Indian place in Footscray you like? The oh, Kitchen Sam- Samarat? Kitchen Samarat, which basically translates to the King's Kitchen. Kitchen King, or yeah, King's Kitchen. <laughs> which, um, big shout out to King, King's Kitchen, Kitchen Samarat. They should be sponsoring us at, at the very least in samosas. Uh, do you like samosas, by the way? Yeah. They're very, very nice samosas. Yeah, yeah. Did you have any samosas at Coachella, Nate? No. What was no. the best thing you ate in America? Did you get five guys? Yes. Oh, dude. Oh, he's fired up now, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. back. His voice five popped guys. up. And the chips are five guys. Incredible. Well, excuse me. I don't know what five guys is. It's a burger, a burger chain in America. and it's um, Also, they've also got them in Europe. And for me, it's the best burger and chips I've ever had and milkshake. Wow. Nate, I don't know if what, what, you obviously had a few burgers in your time over in America. I had at least two a day. Five guys or just burgers? No, at least two a day burgers oh, which, from different places. Okay, which one was the best? Five of 
five guys was the best. Massive. But UMG is still better. UMG. This is in in Melbourne. In Melbourne. Where where again? Mornington. Yeah, there is one in Mornington. I know it. There you go. It's opposite my tattooist. UMG. But five guys is really good. God, I forgot UMG. Anyway. Well, enough. We we digress into <laughs> burger talk. Welcome to our version of MasterChef. No, that number. Can you place it? I'll read it for you again and for our listeners again. 039-652-3161. Called me at 6.38pm tonight. Well, it is election week. The election's on Saturday. So I'm going to guess it's got something to do with procuring your vote. What an absolute embarrassment. Why does the Liberal, Labor or any party feel the need to call me at 638 on a Wednesday night as we're heading into preparation to record this extraordinary podcast, why would they think that giving me a phone call about their pathetic leadership, their wishy-washy policies, their inept abilities to even provide any direction for this com- for this company, for this country that's genuine, oh, it's just, just to be clear, you're, so annoying. You're- uh, having a crack at both parties here. I'm You're having not... a crack at all of them. They're right. a joke. Name one political leader. Here's a serious question. Name one political leader whom you would follow off a pier into the abyss. They've uh, asked you to walk off a pier. Who would you follow? There'd be one. Who? In Australia at the moment. Please. Penny Wong. <sighs> I think she's fantastic. But the rest, the rest of them are all, yeah, are all extremely average. And I'm allowing so many gags just to leave my mind and just go out into the ether. I'm no, not I, well, touching just, it. Penny Wong. Okay, okay. Just forget that. We've got to go back to the phone call. I'm not, I don't want to have a debate here about you with that because you'll, I think you'll get yourself into trouble. There's a lot of get myself into there's trouble. a lot of pitfalls you can fall into with Penny Wong, and we'll just we're just going to. Oh, I'm letting Penny Wong go. No, yeah, I think we are. So don't let's just wrong. go. Let's go back to the phone call. Yeah, see, lucky no one heard that joke. I said, don't get me wrong. That's not a funny joke. Um, this phone call, who was on the other end of the line or what was on the other end of the line? As soon as I heard this is an automated call on behalf of, I just hung up because I've already received two other ones and I've fallen for it. I've so even you- given it the whole, hey, hello, and bang. <laughs> You're speaking to you know Bill Bloggs, Mrs. Bloggs of the Liberal Party or the Labor Party or, you know, God forbid, Clive Palmer. So you got a robocall. A robocall. Pretty normal... Uh, kind of tactic for modern political parties to use in 2019? It's junk. Okay. It's junk. Imagine, no, put yourself into this position. It's Thursday night. You're with your mates. By the sounds of things, you're indulging burgers. You've got your fries there. You've all... Your fries. Well, burgers and fries. Some people just get the burgers. Some just get the fries. Do you? Do either of you ever take the fries and dip it into the sundae and eat it that way? No, I don't do that. See, that was probably old school. Nate? But anyway, Nate he's done that. that. Okay. You're wanting to enjoy time with your friends. Out of nowhere, your phone rings, 961 blah, 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 blah. And on the other end, it says, this is an automated call on behalf of the Carlton Football Club. This is Jack Silvani. We're hoping you can stick with us over the next couple of months because it's going to get rough. It's not going to be easy. Or maybe it's St Kilda, the coach of St Kilda saying, hey, don't bail out on me now. I'm about to turn the corner. Or maybe it's North Melbourne. Maybe it's the Scott brother saying, hey. Scott brother. The Scott brother. (laughs) Well, I never know (laughs) which Scott brother. Brad. Maybe it's B. Scott saying, hey, stick fat with us down at North. The Shimbona spirit. All you do, you just answer the phone. Hang up, 
put your phone down and just go about your night as if That's nothing happened. There's no, there, there, there are bigger things oh. to get worried about and to make you angry. And this is, I'm not this angry. is quite, yeah. <laughs> I'm just You're not angry When you walked into the building tonight There was a first thing you wanted to tell me About this robocall Because it just happened Did it? I, I was affected Said it was 6.38 on a Thursday Yeah and I've walked into the building at Isn't about. Isn't today Wednesday? No that was for the hypothetical Oh, oh my Karen. god Let's move on Before I want to talk anything else football Yeah do you want to No get- I, want to, I want to just talk about one other thing My son Oscar and I Sat down the other night Via YouTube And watched Open mic, oh, yeah. the interview with the interview with Warwick Kappa, oh. and that is just such brilliant entertainment. Yeah. I loved it. If if you wanted to make Coachella better, you, get you would Ka- have Kappa, Kappa yeah. host Coachella. Who else? Who else would you have up there with him? Anyone or well, Jacko Jackson? No, have you seen his open mic? I actually haven't. Th- that is one that you need. That is like—is it it's, insightful? It's off the wall. It's no, it is insightful because you realise like. How just on another planet that bloke he is. He really is on another yeah, planet. Yeah, he is on completely. Have you seen, actually, you've seen the Kookaburras open mic? I have seen the Kookaburras yeah, open that's mic. That's a good one as well. well there's, there's plenty of good open mic. Have you, have you been asked to go on open mic? I really should be. No, but so you haven't? It should be a five part. I think you should be. Come on, Mike Sheehan. Yeah, I know. Mike's a bit. He's got his favourites, obviously. Did you get I'm along well with Mike then. Sheehan? I don't know Mike Sheehan. Did you ever have any dealings with I Mike Sheehan? I had dealings with Mike Sheehan. Yeah. Had, and In back alleys. Was it okay? Yeah, or? It was fine. I think you should get on. I would like Mike. to be on it. I'd like to chat with Mike. That'd be fun. But going back to Kappa, in your opinion, do you think Warwick Kappa's persona is fact fiction? If so, what percentage either way? What, how do you see it? I think it's fact. You think he is 100% Warwick Kappa 24-7? Yep. He'd obviously have times where he switches off. I mean, everyone does. But I think... I think that's actually how he is. You think that's him? I mean, I, I've only ever seen him on videos on the footy show. and <laughs> He's on the he, That's got to be it. Any time anyone refers to himself as he refers to himself <laughs> consistently and with such vigour, I just find it hilarious. I will make this point for our big fish little pond listeners i played on him head to head once when i was an, an absolute baby i would have been maybe 19 20 years age tops and he was an exceptional player he was a very very good athlete nowhere near as tall as you might imagine he would be he was mm. about six foot one six mm. foot two roughly my height but he, super quick super strong and it, it is a shame in some respects that his achievements on the field which i think are amazing if you look at his statistics he was good for about three and a half mm. goals a game mm. and i could be underselling him there that's an extraordinary player he was very very mm. good no, i think i think people recognize a very good player He's oh my god, what happened there? I think I got a seizure a, on a touch of the I think, I think he'll be remembered for um well he'll be remembered for how good a mark he was, won't he? One of the best marks. But you know what? Listening to his open mic, he was actually a very, very good kick. I thought he was a very, very good kick in real time, in the moment, but listening to his explanation as to why he kicked that way, it told me that this was a guy who knew a lot more about his own abilities in the game and the environment around him than a lot of people would have given him credit for. Uh, well, he must be... You've got to be a smart footballer to be as good as he did. He might, he might not be smart in other areas of life, but to be as good as footy as he is, he'd have to have some sort of football smart thing. I was having that conversation about 
uh, Jake Stringer with someone. Jake's not known for his um, intellect. Intellect, but on the football field, he is just extremely, extremely intelligent. He was actually the first one that picked up Dane Rampey on the post in a game the other night. Well, let's. So you can see he switched on in that respect. Well, let's start the podcast proper right there, and I'll throw this to you. Was that outcome for those who haven't seen it? Last minute of a game, Essendon Sydney, Rampy scales a goalpost in an effort to put off the kick that's coming in after the siren, which I thought was a fairly average kick, really. Was, I it was yeah, a, it wasn't a pre- great. And I'm not talking about the distance, I'm talking about the effort. Would you not think he would have maybe loaded up a barrel there? And, and uh, just gone he's, for it. David Myers a long kick. But that was going to be, what, yeah, that would a have been, 65, 70 yeah, metre yeah, kick at yeah. the death of the game? Yeah. No, you probably should have gone the barrel. And even if it goes off the side of your boot, it, it kind of sends a message that I'm putting everything into this. I kind of felt like that was a, a sort of an under, F, uh, under I guess, what, uh, underthought effort on his behalf. But in terms of Rampy, talk me through that. So there's two things all about here. Rampy's the first one. Mm. So he's, he, as... Myers was coming into kick. Rampy has jumped onto the goalpost, onto the padding, and is making the goalpost shake. And in the rules of yes. AFL football, if the goalpost is shaking while a player is lining up for goal, it should be a free kick directly in front of goal. Yes. The Essendon players pointed out what was happening, and they the did. umpire chose not to award the free kick. Mm-hmm. Then during the week, Dane Rampy gets fined for what he did, even though ten thousand. Uh, Ten thousand was—I can't remember the break—the breakdown because he also got fined for saying an umpire spoke like a little girl. So it was there was there were two things there, but um, did he? He did. Uh, so the AFL, yeah, didn't give the umpire didn't give the free kick, and the AFL Gil McLaughlin came out on Saturday morning on radio, stood by the umpire, saying it was the same as same as if. You're saying that the rules aren't always applied to the letter of the law. For example, if somebody is briefly over the mark, the umpire will say, hey, Glenn, move back two metres. That's, that's true. But I could understand if that was the case, if it was kind of like a subtle knocking of the post, as mm, Ramby was just mm. standing there and mm-hmm. giving the post a bit of nudge. Not if you climb up on the post. So you've painted... That's a- tantamount to walking five metres over the mark on purpose. All right, you've painted, I think, a very good picture not only for me but for our listeners so what do you honestly think should have been the result in the moment then and or part post well, it should have been a free kick all right so you think in the moment the umpire should have blown the whistle free kick goal square yeah Essendon win the game okay oh he might have missed yeah wouldn't he, that yeah, have been great that would have been huge but uh should have been a free kick no fine this week to rampy maybe just fine him for calling the um saying the umpire spoke like a little girl did he he did uh you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't make a joke out of gender, I don't think. That's a, that's a Yeah, that's an argument for another day. So, yeah, well, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it should have been a free kick? Uh, look, given what you're saying now and making the point around five-metre encroachment over the mark, yes, I guess the rules are the rules. What could have been handled better in the moment, though? How could it have played out differently? Could they have called for a replay? Is that something that... Because I'm not sure how it could have played out in the moment because I want to make this point really clear. I have heard a lot of criticism of umpires this year and I've actually watched a fair bit of football myself. There's a change. uh, In terms of my own children and some on television. And with the exception of one game of uh, 
what I call NAB Cup football, if you will, so the, the TAC Cup-type league, where I think the umpiring was very, very poor for both teams, and I'm really not sure why, whether it was just purely inexperience. I would like to make the point that as a past player and uh, lover of sports, I think, and this is not a trite comment or intended to be in any way, shape or form, I think the umpires of Australian rules football do an unbelievable job. I think they're extraordinary athletes. I think they do a great job managing almost the unmanageable task of taking this 360-degree combative game and, and have it play out in some form of, of reasonable sense. I think they're incredible. But this seems to be a, a big gaffe. How can we help these umpires? What could we do differently? Uh, what can we do differently? Make the rules clearer. But I'm not sure this is a case of... I feel like this is a case of the umpire noticing but not wanting to... Umpires a lot of the time get accused of not applying common sense to the rules and maybe the umpire in this case thought... But it was a pretty stupid thing to do it was it had to have been an unexpected that's an under 12s move that you try and climb up mm. like how high did he intend to go yeah. did he intend to go up to the the crow's nest yeah to the tip. like where, where was he going to be and then just pull back on it like a pole vaulter and <laughs> shoot himself at the ball i mean it was a, a damn stupid thing to do and i think the the first thing i thought of when i saw rampy go up the post was those metal uh braces they put around trees to stop possums, oh, possums. I just saw them padding around the bottom of the gold yeah. to be rampy proof maybe they should put some rampy proof pad, uh, <laughs> it, was metal. Keep, it was keeping rampy down yeah. towards the ground I just thought it was stupid the no, stupidest it is. thing and it probably caught everyone off guard something else that caught people off guard because I don't have an answer for that yeah move on please I want to get your answer because you are someone who's played in the <clears throat> hyper competitive world of footy I feel like I'm being set up. No, no, no. My, after the game, Myers and Heppel went to each other to kind of oh, high let five. Me, let, me both, tell, let me tell you, am I correcting you? You're going to ask, they sort of smiled. They and both smiled. They just lost a game by five points. There was a lot of criticism. Personally, I have absolutely zero issue with that. But a lot of your more serious footy people said it was... Uh, Matthew Lloyd, for example, one of your former um, opponents, wasn't a fan. So I'll tell you a story here. I remember this like it was yesterday. I played a game at Waverley and the team played badly and I did not play well either. And this is going way, way back to uh, under-19s football, reserve grade football for Essendon. And I remember getting in the car and I was rude to my mother. I was rude to my father. Poor I was parents. I was very sulky. I was indifferent. <laughs> I said nothing. And we were heading back to Strathmore, the adjoining suburb to Essendon. Napier Street, same street as uh, Essendon. Used to train in. We used to have their home base in of Windy Hill, now called the Injection Centre. Uh, oh, that was cutting, wasn't it? So heading home, and we would have been, I don't know, however many kilometres down the Monash, and my mother basically said, you're acting like a complete fool. The game is over. You can be as rude to everyone as you like and kick the dog and go and cry in front of the mirror and whinge and whine. It's going to change absolutely 
nothing. So why don't you just cut out all the bullshit, start being a respectful human being, respect yourself, and if it really means something to you, start switching on to what you're going to do for the next training session, let alone your recovery, but the next training session and the next game, because if you're a real competitor, that's what you'll be focused on now, the next opportunity. We can have these moments in sports where we think that people have to be so desperately sad about the outcome, but in that situation, Essen were incredibly lucky to even have a shot on goal. Whether they deserved it or not, I'm not going to debate that. They were lucky to even have a shot on goal. As you mentioned earlier, Myers, a good kick of the football. Did I think he was going to be able to go that that sort of distance? No, I didn't. Mm. That's why I would have preferred that he took the torpedo and kicked it off the side of his boot trying to go for this ridiculous kick rather than hit what he hit. I thought that was the mistake that he made laughing about it I didn't see it as, as laughing about it. I saw it as like a bit of a, a release of emotion just say oh well, there's not much more we could do about that one mm-hmm. and having a smile about that especially when there are 50 cameras from all different angles let alone everyone in the audience with their phone and documenting every second like who really cares I'd rather be into his mindset how is he preparing for the next effort what in terms of recovery training mm. preparation for the next game will he if he gets that opportunity again do something differently okay so that's a that is a no you didn't have a problem with it <laughs> thank so, you and then well surmised. so in all the footy shows on Sunday and Monday what's been played is the vision of that Myers mm-hmm. and Heppel laughing mm-hmm. or smiling Heppel the captain of Essendon mm-hmm. and it's been played before or after the vision of Paddy Cripps walking off the ground the Carlton captain after Carlton lost to Collingwood and he's gutted he, he's gutted he's got he's got his head in his hands and he's kind of shouting swear words and yeah. people people have, you know it's being used it's being used to compare pundits saying you know that's a leader that's hurting, maybe that's a better example. What what do you think about that? I think Patrick Cripps, without doubt, is a leader who's hurting because the Carlton Football Club need three more of him. Yeah. But there aren't three more Patrick Cripps coming tomorrow. They'd almost be the best team of all time if they had three well, more Patrick Cripps. Well, they'd be a Cripps. very Did good you? team, no doubt. But for Patrick Cripps to be the best player he can be, he has to play with a blend of enjoyment and passion and also anger and indifference if you like for want of a better word you can't be one or the other I don't take Heppel and Myers and put them and just and try and find some sort of juxtaposition between those two incidents because to be quite honest the best outcome in either situation would be a few f-bombs a few this that and the other and then the realization right that's gone Let's move forward because that anger, that sheer frustration is not going to translate to much positivity in your life on or off the field. And it's just going to hold you back. It really is. So going home and kicking the dog, kicking the cat, this sort of ridiculous behavior um, to use, you know, old school parlance, it's just ridiculous. We're, we're, we should be past that era where we're trying to put on some sort of facade. We used to have a, um, a set of rules, if you like, if we were played against an interstate team and you were flying home on the plane. When the, the officials walked past, you had to pull your sad face. 
and then you got back to like, being your normal self on the plane. Whose rule was that? Oh, it was just, it was just, just something an unwritten you, you rule. Knew it was, had to be here, done. here comes, and I'm, I'm not talking about all coaches, but some coaches. Here comes the coach. Yeah, bow your head and look completely miserable. Let and and then let the world know that you're you know you're suffering so much. Once he's passed, go back to being just your normal self. Because as I said, that's just a ridiculous uh, operation, if you like. That's just nonsense. What was the fear? in your minds if that particular person saw you Just, smiling well you, you have to remember I was playing in an era where it was it was all punitive there, there was no positivity in terms of direction and communication it's punitive you you don't do this this is going to so you were worried you were going to be punished well, yeah, of course of course and, and th- there was no dialogue so again the first thing I'd be doing if I was the coach and or a reporter I'd be sitting down speaking to Myers in a, in a, and Heppel in a, in a responsible thoughtful tone and saying listen you were smiling at the end of that game well, can you talk me through that let's hear their explanation mm. as to what they were thinking what they had to say and let's do the same to Cripps Cripps might turn around and say you know what yeah <laughs> I dropped five F-bombs <laughs> I should have dropped one and I shouldn't have sort of bowed my head like that because that sent a bad message to everyone else that I felt defeated too when really we put in a great effort we just were beaten by what is without doubt a better team. I mean, you've got an interesting one, uh, and I hate saying this, but our Ben Simmons and his Philadelphia 76ers. I found it really fascinating to see Joel Embiid, the centre for the 76ers, crying after Game 7. I found that fascinating. Why? Because the uh, the season, the actual series, I should say, over seven games, was peppered with his strange emotional Mm. outputs. I felt like after the Game 7, there was no place for tears. Because you already shot yourself in the foot mm. so many different times. Maybe it will be a turning point where he, he kind of finds himself more level, but he just appears, and I don't know him in any way, shape, or form on a personal level. He just seems to be someone who can dish it out, but can't quite take it as much. How old is he? Is he quite young? Oh, I think he's, he's still a baby. I'd say that he's you know mid to late 20s, if that. With, uh, for me, just quickly, someone who's come to the environment of elite sporting change rooms after losses quite late and only ever been in the change rooms after losses for two years as long as I've been doing this job I'm still struck by the atmosphere of a losing change room every single time I walk into one a losing AFL change room it is people whisper like there's no you're not you don't talk to people you whisper players are physically exhausted I understand that but they're all, they also look despondent. And it might be a, you know, around 12 loss. Well, for example, I, went and I, I remember covering four Carlton games at the end of last year. Lost them all. Some of them worse than others. And I just remember how down they were and how despondent they were. And it's kind of like, that can't be good for you to be... I know it's not good for you to lose all the time like you are, but it can't be good for you to react like this every time after you lose. It's, it's a bit weird to me. So this is actually a very interesting conversation and I do hope that our Big Fish Little Pond listeners are enjoying as much as I am here in the studio. A couple of points to make here. Number one, the way you lose a game varies from game Mm. to game. So there is obviously times in which you will enter that change room space and as you suggest, you're going to whisper, you're going to feel disappointed and everyone's going to react to it differently. Now, don't think for a second that at any stage I bounced off the ground laughing after a loss. I never did that. 
But what I did do was I promised myself that by the time I got into my car to head home, that we were moving forward. Now, huge outpourings of jovial behaviour after uh, a situation such as Cripps' uh, game against Collingwood, sure, you wouldn't tolerate that. And I'm sure if uh, Patrick Cripps had someone next to him laughing openly after the game, he would find that very difficult to cope with. I can't stress it enough. The Essendon-Swans game, this was a literally a one-in-a-million opportunity to win the game. As it stands, they probably should have won the game. And I, I ask you, I wonder how the, both teams would have reacted mm. if that free kick was given. Mm. If I was an Essendon player, I probably would have fallen on the ground in hysterical <laughs> laughter. And those Swans players, I reckon they would have been genuinely gutted next level. Because you, you've got a competition in 2019 where really... Any team could win on any given week. Agreed? Agreed. Have you watched Darcy Moore at all this year? I'm fascinated for your insight as a Collingwood fan and a journalist. What's going on? With what? Darcy Moore. Great things are going well, on tell with me, Darcy Tell Moore. me he's, about him. No, he's playing He's playing like brilliantly. He's probably the all-Australian centre-half back at the moment. But where's this come from? Because he, he seemed to be a forward, he seemed to be a little bit maligned, oh, yeah. and that's an outsider's point of view. But where's this come from? So he's he got w- this crazy white, you know... <clears throat> Nathan Smart style hair. Nathan Smart, our producer style hair. He actually looks hair. a bit like you, Nathan. Yeah, with slightly that's longer hair. Yeah, he's got longer hair. No, but he's kind of got that whole uh, Asian influence, long white hair happening. I know that he's gone down back. I know that everyone's talking about him. To me... He seems still quite uncomfortable with the media. I don't know if I'm reading that correctly or not, but t- tell us what, what's going on. One of the... I'm currently not doing AFL reporting at the moment, but one of the things... And one of the reasons why... There's many reasons why I wish I was mm. and why I'm, I, I'm kind of looking on with jealousy at the people that are. I would love to interview Darcy Moore at the moment just to get an insight into where he's at and how he's feeling at the moment playing at such a high level, how he got there, how how's he thinks he, how's he can he sustain doing it? it. What's his game style? So he's playing he's playing man on man. Right. But he's all what he's very good at is coming over and being the third man into the contest or the fourth man into the contest and spoiling the ball or halving the contest. Four? I don't know. He's, he's no quite idea. he's quite he's quick. tall. He's quick and he's a good kick as well. Is he a good kick is it, yeah, in that defensive? Yeah, yeah, he space? is. He's a long, flat kick. Okay, which is good. And he and he goes. He just runs when the ball's there to be won, and there's all players around. He just runs directly at the ball, okay. wins it, and keeps running straight. Mm-hmm. More often than not, it works. Wow, I'm fascinated <clears throat> into his personality. What's his personality like? From as I said, a Collingwood supporter's point of view, he. You can tell he's extremely competitive because of the way he plays and the way he throws his body around and the courage he plays with. Seems like a nice guy. Doesn't seem like he's too intense. Is he a little different? A little quirky? Yeah, I think he's different. Yeah. Not that that's a bad thing. He's, you can tell he's probably pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I used to follow him on Instagram. He likes his oh, travel. You've, you've unfollowed yeah, I did, a, I did a bit of a clean-out. You cleaned out and Darcy yeah. Moore was one of the victims in your social media clean <laughs> Well, yeah, wow. I just decided to... Who un- did you keep? You would have kept Tom Liberatore. Uh, so I decided to get rid of footy players unless I have a pre-existing... Did you keep me? 
Well, you bastard. No, no, no. I, no, I did. I did keep out. you. Yeah. I did keep you. And I went and had actually. I, this is actually something I looked at the other day. So your Instagram, Glenn Manton. So you have got almost five thousand followers. You follow seven people. Well, I shouldn't be following seven. That, that's that's one extra person that's popped in there. Somehow. You follow. I'm just going to read through it's Archie. Gonna, hang your on, son. hang on. Let me have a look at this because that's a random person. That's well, yeah. K Gills says ten. I don't even know who that is. Who's that? Unfollow. They're gone. Yeah, there was only six people in there. Right. So you follow six people. Correct. So one's your son, Archie Manton. Yes. I've said that correctly, haven't I? Correct. Uh, Second one is, I guess, like your third son, Jarman Impey. Jarman Impey. Your Correct. other son, yep. Oscar Manton. Correct. Your daughter, Shoshi. Yeah. And then Jack Perkins. Jack Perkins. A touring car driver. A supercar driver. Yeah. Yeah. Explain that. I used to teach Jack. I used to work with Jack. He, I used to be his footy coach. Was he V8 supercar? V8 supercar. He's a superstar legend of, of motorsport his father's obviously a double legend if you can have a double legend who's yeah. his father well, it's Larry Perkins oh no I've God. heard that I've heard that name I've heard that name how old yeah. is he how old's Jack Jack oh goodness me he's an absolute baby you'd have to you'd have to google him up for me to give you an accurate age right. but um no, he's just a very very lovely guy and then Rudy Rashid well, yeah, a gentleman who's done a lot of tattooing for me. All right. So, what, like, what did Nate and I have to do to get a follow? Uh, to be quite honest, and I'm being 100% serious, if I could close my Instagram account tomorrow, I would. Yeah, okay, I, that's I, good, I, mate. I that doesn't answer the question any, why you're not following me. I, I don't want to follow anyone. I do not really want to follow anyone. Well, then anyone. why do you follow these people? I, I'll tell you why that I, I keep this open. I keep this open, and I'm sure this young man won't mind at all. I, because of messages such as the one that I got a few days ago from a young man whose school I spoke oh, at. Oh, you're not answering no, my I question. I'm explaining myself. I'm explaining myself saying that he would like to catch up with me in the real world and have lunch because he's at some crossroads in his life. Mate, it's that is fantastic. Person. It is fantastic. That is brilliant. And that's why I keep it there. Why don't I follow you or Nath? Because you, you're just probably just too far out of... Uh, my comfort zone. You're just doing too many wild things. I don't want to get too close to Ariana Grande. I found it hard enough watching the film clip when she was on a bike. Found that really, you know, quite disconcerting. And your love of burgers, I think, will, you know, see no, me. That's the one that loves addicted. burgers. I think you like burgers too. Do you like burgers? Yes, but well, I, don't, there you I go. don't post about them on Instagram. <laughs> I bet you do. I can't afford to bump into a post where you're posting about burgers. Never post about it. It's post scary about stuff. a burger on Instagram. It's scary stuff. Look. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's your six. and um, That's my top six. You'd, look, you're I, des- I, I, you're I desperate under- to I understand. That's I understand. The that's the problem with 2019. Hold on. You're desperate to get in there. I'm going to get a robo call from you. If Jack Perkins hadn't have become a V8 supercar driver, would, would you be following well, him? I couldn't be bothered with yeah. it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Obviously, you just, you, obviously your kids and Jarman are... Oh, I don't really I, want to I follow the kids. You don't? Not really. So then I why need to give them their own space, but I, I do it to support Actually, them. Actually, are they happy that, that, that you follow I them? I think they do, because it gets their numbers up. It's a numbers game. You know that. Speaking of numbers, let's go through the ladder very quickly before we finish on a little bit of a uh, breakdown of 
the footy show. Let's forget about results because we haven't really had a chance to talk footy on this podcast for a while because everyone's been all over the world. For those people playing at home, our producer's been overseas. You, of course, Mr. Colangelo, were in Japan and I was in Mexico and Cuba. So we're back on deck now for the rest of the year. And please like, subscribe, join us on Spotify where you'll find us and also iTunes. Now run us through the ladder very quickly then I want to finish with the footy show. Geelong are on top of the ladder. Then you've got Collingwood. Adelaide, surprisingly, in third. They, Why surprising? Uh, I thought they were not going to have a great season, but they're, they're doing Up and okay. about again? Yep. Uh, GWS in fourth. Brisbane, fifth. Richmond, sixth. Are West Richmond Coast, going Fremantle? to feature in the finals this year? Richmond? Or, yeah, yeah. Or, they, they, yeah, or have injuries just really put them back? No, they will. Long term, you think they'll be up and about? Yeah, they won two. They've won... The Fremantle win and the Port Adelaide win with a lot of injuries suggests to me that they are good enough. They lost to the Bulldogs. They sh- that was just an off week. Mm-hmm. They haven't had many off weeks in the past two years, so I'm happy to say that they'll make the finals. And just quickly, the team ahead of them was Brisbane. Are they pretenders or the real deal? Uh, the next five... Adelaide, Frio, Hawthorne, Carlton Saints. I guess we'll find out after the next five games. We Adelaide, think- pretty good. Frio away is a tough test. Hawthorne at home is a tough test. Carlton and Saints, they're also tough tests. So. Well, if they win four or five there, that would be quite impressive, really. Yes, I think they'd be good nine shape. wins and they'd be close they'd be to where shape. they were last year. West Coast, Fremantle. Yep, and then the bottom ace or the bottom... Well, just tell me about that eighth spot. Will Fremantle hang on to that spot? No, I don't think so. Who will be the team, in your opinion, that will come over the top? I can't see... Anyone from St Kilda below getting there? I was going to say for me, Hawthorne or St Kilda. You think St Kilda can get back up? Possibly Port Adelaide, depending when Charlie Dixon comes back. Okay. Run us through the bottom there. We've got Gold Coast, who have had a fall from grace. 14th. Essendon in 13th, by the way. Melbourne 15th. Sydney 16th. North Melbourne 17th. And Carlson, despite all the positive talk... They're struggling. (laughs) As positive a talk around a club... Around this club that we've seen in two years. Still doing Still it tough. On the bottom of the ladder. Well, let's bring out the axe now very quickly, and, and not just as a, a precursor to talking about the footy show, but let's just quickly talk about who, in terms of the coaches, do you think really is in trouble at the end of this year? Oh, Brendan, if, Brendan if Bolton. Not. So, Brendan Bolton? Yeah. Let's... St Kilda due for a change? Uh, no, because they're performing better than what we expected, and I okay. think they will. North Melbourne. Yeah, so it's for me, it's Brad Scott and um, Brennan Bolton. Uh, and actually, John Worsfold. John Worsfold, you also think got some issues For there? Essendon. Western Bulldogs maybe make a coaching change? No, I don't think they will. I think no. Bevo's still riding the premiership, the premiership honeymoon. All right, well, let's He now- escapes a fair bit of criticism. Let's now talk about a honeymoon that is well and truly over as to the marriage, the footy show. Uh, Yeah, so that's why I woke you up the other morning because I was asked to write an article, a bit of an analysis type piece about the footy show finishing. And uh, yeah, I thought, well, who who better to go to than someone that had been on the footy show during the so-called glory days? Absolutely. Glenn Manton. And uh, like the glory days, on a Friday morning at 9.45, he was asleep in bed. <laughs> and I woke him up and I said, Mance, uh, you know, the footy show's been cancelled. Uh, what? Uh, what do you mean? Oh, the footy show's been axed last night. Oh. 
and then you kind of I don't like s- the way you just did my voice then, then you slowly kind of wound yourself up and got going and you got going with some pretty good thoughts in the end so thanks for that well I hadn't watched much of the football show in 2019 but I saw a segment which I was talking to you about <laughs> ahead of this podcast where they tried to combine the nostalgia and I think uh easy viewing of loose handball with the wood chop and when i saw that as was facilitated by a, a cast of many none of them whom i think have a great deal of uh i guess quick wit and frivolity let alone chemistry i thought my god this show is literally on its knees and sure as hell yeah. the axe fell it was all very scripted as opposed to Freewheeling. The off-the-cuff freewheeling stuff that made it so good in the glory days. Yes, and I wrote an article, as did you. I posted mine on my website, glenmanton.com, if you'd like to read mine. And where's yours found? Is it still on the Age website? Yeah, you, if you just Google Anthony Colangelo, just, the footy show, yeah. you'll find it. If you Google brilliant writing, it'll just pop up yeah. under one of... One of if you Anthony's, Google shit-hot writing, it'll, yeah. be, it'll be first. Hashtag shit-hot writing and hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, It'll be interesting, quite seriously, if you've listened to this podcast, to go and read both of those articles because I think they both will provide a lot of insight. I like what you wrote. I like the uh, the takes you had. The thing that makes me sad about the show, A, is that live television is lost, uh, yeah. which I think is you know just a, an absolute gift to everyone, live television. B, that Eddie Maguire and Sam Newman are going to be the scapegoats because I just don't think it's all their fault at all. In fact... As I said in my article, you're not going to find two more talented people in in that space than Eddie and Sam. Eddie was absolutely brilliant. I would sit opposite him and I'd see how many balls he was juggling. Did he have a short fuse at times? Was he stressed at times? All this sort of stuff. Absolutely. But most people would be. I won't get into his personality, but talk about his ability. Uh, it was very, very well honed. And I think moving away from Eddie was one of the, the big mistakes. But then Sam, yes, did he play a character, or a caricature of himself, if you will? Uh, yes, and that's sad. But he was also the heart and soul of that show. Would you agree with that? Yeah. He did get very nasty towards the end, and that yeah. Didn't help. But this is, but again, no one in in my mind behind the scenes was smart enough to help him either yeah. reinvent yeah. himself or replace him in a in a space where he was going to be more effective and more palatable to the masses. And I and I say that he got nasty, but there's also a time where he made me laugh a lot. Absolutely, a lot because he's a genuinely quick-witted yeah. guy. And as I said in my little piece that I wrote. I would come to that studio, you know, week after week and being handed just a run sheet, not knowing what else could happen on that show. And in in all seriousness, if you go to my Instagram account, you'll see the the Mm. poor post that I did of a video where I'm hitting a piñata. None of that was scripted. And Sam coming over and wielding, again, ironically, given what we're talking about, a real axe to chop the piñata in half, it's, it's... bloody funny Mm. it's great television and i think maybe the death of the rugby league football show should have been more of a a barometer and a a wake-up call as to what was going to come next unless uh it evolved but certainly the the program that i saw in 2019 wasn't strong no it yeah it was completely um it was it was pete they were talent or on-air talent most of them unknown to the audience that was that they were kind of put in front of 
We shouldn't help either. No, but they lacked chemistry. You yeah. only had to watch a couple yeah. of minutes to see that there was no chemistry. There was a yeah. bit like dumping Dave Hughes into the footy show. Mm. You know, that didn't seem to work, at yeah. least from my perspective. And it just made you think back to Trevor Marmwade. And again, I wrote about this. Most of his gags hit the mark. Mm. He was just so in tune well, with Someone that, that made space. so many gags for most of them to hit the mark on live TV is pretty impressive. New uh, gags absolutely. every week. Absolutely. The best thing about the footy show for me was the theme. You like the theme? I love the theme well, song. play it. Can we play that on the way out? Oh, if you want to play it on, on the way out, why not? But mind you, we're not on the way out. We're back. The, I've got to get to the best bit. Big Fish Little Pond is back. Look for us on Spotify. Find us on iTunes. Right a review, rate us, all that sort of nonsensical stuff that you do in the modern age. But please forgive us for Sound having a little bit working. of a hiatus. But given the fact that we all needed a holiday, we took that opportunity and now we are back. And I think given the fact that we have covered everything uh, from Coachella through to the footy show on this first episode back, it's going to be more of the same from us over the coming weeks. Have you found this particular intro the opening is really underrated with the trumpets here it is oh do you like the trumpets oh, and then it builds up with the drums hold on this, this is of course really was the killers played this no this is the footy show theme song this is tame impala no you ready oh you like so that good. i love that it's a bit of phil collins in there they never played the full song Okay, so you play the full song? Oh, sometimes when I just need a little pick-me-up. Do you have beanbags at home? No. Uh, we have one, actually. I was going to say, what you can do is get a beanbag, put it on some sort of couch. That little ba-doom, doom doom I love that. Listen to this. This is, what, this is a great night in for you. We'll leave the listeners with this. A couple of burgers, get some fries, get some mates. Beanbag on top of the couch. Your mate's throwing you some bald socks. This is playing in the background and you're yelling out Kappa. Not even listening. As you take those marks. This song is so good. And you're talking over a really good song. You spoke over the build-up to the chorus. Well, play it again if you really want to play it again. that's it. We're done. I don't even know. You've had enough? I've had enough. Go home. You'll do it. You'll do that in your underwear. You've been listening to Big Fish Little Pond. See you soon.